Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Every person that was ever created knows inside that there's a God and there's an eternity. But they, watch, watch, they suppress the truth. They just ignore it. And they try to think of something else when God speaks to their heart. Now, God says he's made the truth known to them. How has he done that? Well, God's made it known by nature. When you look at the heavens, you know there's a God. By our own conscience, right or wrong. And certainly by this little leatherback book. God has revealed himself in so many ways that man is without excuse. Today, Pastor Mark will teach listeners of the long-standing invitation by the Lord to all humanity and how so many choose to reject it. This invitation to spend eternity with the King of Kings is one we should also extend to everyone. While the Lord has been made manifest in the lives of all, he still commands his followers to boldly proclaim the gospel message to the ends of the earth. Have you personally accepted Christ's invitation into your life today and purpose to share his good news with all? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew as he begins his message entitled, Go, and invite everyone you find. Matthew chapter 22. All of us have been to weddings before. Up north, when you went to a wedding, it was always a little more formal. It was always, uh, I remember from, because we were from Michigan for many, many years, I remember when you went there, you always had to a wedding, a full dinner and everything. And we came here to Florida once and, and we went to our first wedding and we were kind of overdressed for it. And, and then, you know, we hadn't eaten because we know there's going to be this big spread. It's like cake and punch. It's a very different thing for us. Well, Jesus today in our parable, a parable is simply a, a story that has a spiritual application has a spiritual application. In our parable this morning, we're going to talk about a wedding outfit. You and I being invited to a wedding. Well, it's not a wedding. It's a spiritual wedding. And what does that have to do with our life? Well, in this story, let's read verses 1 and 2 to get us started. And Jesus spoke to them again in parables, remember, simple story, illustrating a spiritual principle, saying, the kingdom of heaven. Ah, so this is all about heaven. The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. So this is a a marriage feast. It's a wedding banquet. 
Spiritually, later, it alludes, when we get, in a few weeks, we'll be in chapters, you don't want to miss this, we'll be in chapters, Matthew 24, 25, 26, all about end times, we're going to talk about end times, the rapture, tribulation, end times, antichrist, we'll be there. And of course, part of this, when the church leaves, is something called the marriage supper of the Lamb, we find in Revelation 19. So this alludes to that, but it's broader than that in its application. Here, Jesus is going to focus on the people of Israel being invited to a wedding, which really meant invited into the kingdom of heaven, but they refused. So the whole parable today is about entrance into heaven. So when you see the wedding, the wedding is happening in heaven. Next, the king represents God the father as we go through it. The son would be The bridegroom, specifically in our story, Jesus, telling his own story. And the focus, the invitation, and I'm going to use this as the invitation. You'll see me very often say, the invitation. This is the, this is the, this is the invitation. You'll hear me say that, Vera, I can hear you. This is the invitation. What is the invitation about? Well, it's about entrance into heaven. And it's really defined very simply by accepting Jesus as the only way to get into heaven. Now, there's going to be three invitations. Two of them are going to be rejected. The third will be accepted. As we go through this, understand that these first two invitations are given only to the Jews. Only to the Jews. Then later on, this last invitation, it's any individual Jew and all the rest of the world Gentiles. So as we go through this, it's going to be great. Now, some of you say, Pastor Mario, this is nice. Thank you for telling me about a wedding. I'm not really interested in weddings. I don't have any of those kind of outfits. What in the world does this have to do with me? Just say this with me this morning. This parable, here we go. This parable has a current, has a current application for me. So this parable has a current application for me. So let me ask you a question. Does this have anything to do with you today? Yes. In other words, when you leave here, you don't go, say, what was that all about? No, that's a great application as we go through it. Now, understand, here's the first of the three invitations. Verse 3. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet, to tell them to come. The servants would have been the apostles, Jesus, John the Baptist, other Christ followers later, we'll see that. But they refused to come. So the story begins with this invitation going to the Jewish nation, John the Baptist, Jesus. They refused the invitation. The Jewish nation as a whole doesn't want anything to do with Jesus. Now, that's illogical because they studied studied their Bible, these 39 books in the Old Testament. Oh, there's hundreds of prophecies about Jesus coming. And he fulfilled every single one of them. If you put that statistically, it's into the trillion, 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 trillion. You can't even say the words. Impossible. It would never happen. But he fulfilled them all. But when Jesus came, they simply refused him. It wasn't logical. 
They were just blind to who the Messiah was. So our story gives us the perfect understanding. Now, I told you that this has application for you and for me. Here's the first thing you want to write this morning. Viera, watching by the internet here in Melbourne, first thing you want to write. When sharing the gospel, when inviting people to church, inviting people to become Christ followers, expect a mixed reaction. That's what you're going to see today. Three times the invitation goes out, twice it's refused. So you and I should expect a mixed reaction. Some people will accept an invitation from us. Many people will not. Don't have this unrealistic expectation that if you share the gospel, everybody's going to come, or hopefully you don't have this one, that if you share the gospel, nobody ever responds to you. No, it's going to be mixed. It's always mixed. Let me ask you a question. Who's giving this parable? Who's talking about this parable? It's Jesus. Did Jesus ever get rejected when he invited people to come follow him? Well, many times. Certainly from the Jewish nation as a whole he did. But even, remember, the rich young ruler went, see ya, not interested in following you. So don't be discouraged. In fact, the Bible says this, John 1.1, 1, 1, he came to his own, but his own received him not. So we can't get discouraged when we invite people. So understand, as you and I think about this, we can't let Satan come in and discourage us from continuing to share. Jesus never stopped inviting people. We can't stop inviting people. Well, look at verse 4. Here's the second invitation. Then he, the king, God, sent more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I prepared my dinner. My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered. Everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off. One to his field, another to business. So the first group of people said, nah, we got things to do. We're not really interested. But look, it gets worse in verse 6. The others, or the rest, seized the king's servants, mistreated them, and killed them. You see, this second invitation to accept Jesus is a picture of what happened to John the Baptist, happened to Old Testament prophets, happened in a moment to Jesus. He's within days of being killed. And of course, when we move on later, we see the apostles all dying because they continue to give invitation. We see Paul being beaten many times. We see a young deacon named Stephen being stoned because he gave an invitation. Let me ask you a question today. Do you think that in our world today, in our world, that there are Christians in other nations that are giving out the invitation to come to Christ, to become a follower, and they're dying for it? All over the place. So in this particular story, we see people dying for it. Doesn't stop them. So look at this. Now, in Matthew, in the King James Version, New King James Version, I have on the overhead for you verse 5. Look at it. When given the opportunity to accept the invitation, they made light of it. (laughs) And they went their way or ways. One to his own farm, another to his business. First of all, when given the invitation, they made light of it. You ever anybody ever make fun of you for 
giving them an invite to the gospel? Why would I want to go to church? In fact, I often think what my neighbors think. I'm always going to church. What's with that guy? Like, is he religious or what? See, sometimes people just don't get it. These people, when presented with the opportunity and a challenge to follow Jesus, number one, they made light of it. They just, well, you know, we have our own thing to do. We have our own agendas. They weren't really interested. Their possession, their agendas were more important than God. So they just simply paid no attention to it. You see, they're clueless. We discovered this since we've come to Christ. Let me read you the verse. If you're trying to keep your life for yourself, you'll lose it. But if you give your life up for me, you will find true life. This morning, are you glad to be a Christ follower? Are you glad? Hallelujah. By the way, did you know the party's already started? Yeah, it's already started. I mean, it's going to be incredible in the end, in heaven, but it's already started. We got rid of trying to save ourselves, and we found forgiveness, and we found joy. That's what the world's looking for. They're clueless without Christ. Well, not only did they make light of it, but notice they went their own way. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but the end thereof is death. Keep your finger right in Matthew and turn back to the book of Romans. About five, six books back, Romans chapter one. Viera, Romans chapter one. Now, what happens when we come across people that say, just like we do in our parable, they went their own way. They're doing their own thing. No need for God. Many of them are agnostic, not sure there is a God. Some of them call themselves atheists. There absolutely no, is no God. Or some of them are just too busy for God. Well, Romans tells us something very important. Romans chapter 1, verse 18. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of men, circle this in your Bible, who suppress, who deny the truth by their wickedness. See, they suppress something they know. People say, there's no God. I don't believe there's a God. You can't prove to me that God. No, I can't, but they know it. Look at verse 19. Since what may be known about God is plain to them. Because God has made it plain to them. You see, people say, well, I, 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 I don't really believe there's a God. I don't think there is a God. No, God's made it very plain to you. First of all, he's put it in your heart. Every person that was ever created knows inside that there's a God and there's an eternity. But they, watch, watch, they suppress the truth. They just ignore it. And they try to think of something else when God speaks to their heart. Now, God says he's made the truth known to them. How has he done that? Well, God's made it known by nature. When you look at the heavens, you know there's a God. By our own conscience, right or wrong. And certainly by this little leatherback book that speaks about God. Look at verse 20. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen. So they're invisible, but... In the spirit world, you can see, you know there's a God. Being understood from what has been made so that men 
are without excuse. Verse 21, for although they knew God, they know there's a God. They neither glorified him, I'm going to do my own thing, nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Fools, wisdom. The world says we're foolish to believe there's a God. We're foolish to spend our life following God so that we can be at the marriage supper of the Lamb forever. The world says you're totally stupid. But God says, no, that's exactly wrong. Well, I'm too wise to believe there's a God. No, God says you're too foolish to believe there's a God. So understand, we can't force that. You can argue all day long. If we deny God, the Bible says we're simply without an excuse. An atheist or agnostic claims to be too wise to believe in God, but God says, no, you're actually fool. Yet many people believe they can trust their own wisdom, their own understanding, and they can live a life that's successful apart from God. I beg to differ. Impossible. If you're going your own way this morning, it will hit a dead end. Guaranteed. There will be a time in your life when you're so frustrated. Solomon in the book of Ecclesiastes tells us all about that. Flowers, homes, businesses, schools, money, women, thousand wives and concubines, all of them dead end. No satisfaction. Well, that's right. The little black book says to us, without God, life is simply empty. And so understand this independent lifestyle is empty, lonely, frustrating, and you'll never end up at the party. Well, go back to verse 7. Think of this. You've just given the invitation twice. This invitation has been refused how many times? Twice. What are you going to do now? I'm just going to go have my own little pity party. Forget it. You don't want to come to my wedding tonight. But you're going to see a very different picture in two stages. The first one you won't like. The second one you will. Watch this in verse 7. Well, the king was enraged. No kidding. He was rejected. And he sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. What do we see? Finally, there's a judgment of God. Listen, and listen to me very carefully. There comes a day when this invitation to become a follower of Jesus Christ is forever withdrawn for you. Oh, oh I don't do that. I would ne- it's not my role. But there comes a day Rejection after rejection after rejection, the invitation is withdrawn. And the Bible says in the book of Genesis, a person can no longer come to Christ. That's pretty serious. In other words, there's judgment. See, God's fair, but there always comes a day of reckoning. Well, this verse in verse 7 is a, is a prophetic picture of what would happen in A.D. 70. The city of Jerusalem would be destroyed by Titus, the Roman armor, our, uh, uh, officer over his army. They came and just leveled Jerusalem. And the Jews from AD 70 until 1948 were scattered all over all the world. So this is the early prediction of the destruction of Jerusalem. Well, now after that, what is he going to do? Here's a beautiful picture. Look at verse 8. Then he said to his servants, 
and I'm going to paraphrase this, these last two groups of people have refused the invitation. Nobody's coming to the wedding. He said, the wedding banquet is ready, the food's hot, but those I invited did not deserve to come. They wouldn't come. They wouldn't accept the invitation which was tied up with Jesus. So verse 9, you see God doing a beautiful thing. He sends the invitation out a third time in love. So he says to his servants, go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. I'll just take anybody. By the way, did you know you're just an anybody out there? That's who we all are. So here's what you want to write down. Why does God send a third invitation? We see God's love, his kindness, his tolerance, and his patience. It's a beautiful picture for us. You see, the offer is expanded. The invitation will be given to the people on the streets. Now the nation of Israel as a whole, no, they're set aside. Individual Jews can come, and they do today. But now this is open to all Gentiles. If they will listen, accept the invitation, they can come to the banquet. Anyone simply means everyone. What did God say? Street corners equals where people are. Here was the good news. Here was the commission. Mark 16, Matthew 28. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. And whoever accepts it, come on in. That's what we have a responsibility to do. I want you to write this statement down. If you're a Christ follower this morning, understand this. Take the gospel to where people are. You see, the king said, go, invite anyone you find. So I have to be looking for people that need to come to Christ. Most people come to Christ because someone brings them to Christ. Most people come to Christ because someone brings them to Christ. People don't know God loves them. They don't even know God has a party. You know, for most people who are not Christians, God and party are an oxymoron. But for us, it's perfect. We understand that. How did you come to Christ? Somebody invited you. I mean, we started this church almost 16 years ago. We started with 100 people. Now, where do we have all these six, 7,000 people on the campuses? Where'd they all come from? They came because somebody invited them. Did I invite them all? Well, that's impossible. They don't even know me. They don't trust me. So he just says, go anywhere. Go everywhere. Go where the people are. I told you at the beginning of this teaching, this had application for you. The application is what? To go and invite. To go and say to people, you want to be a follower of Christ? I can tell you how. When sharing the gospel, expect a mixed reaction. Some will accept it and some will reject it. Today we learn from Pastor Mark that not all people see the gospel message the same. As Christ followers, we can see God's love and kindness and it motivates us to spread his good news to the world. Our passion for spreading the gospel should never diminish based on the response as the message itself is never worth stopping. You've been listening to Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Balmer of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. 
Each day here on Lessons for Living, we share messages that Pastor Mark taught at the main campus in Melbourne. Maybe you're listening right now in Brevard County and you don't have a home church. And today's message was exactly what you were looking for. Join us for worship. We meet at the Melbourne and Vieira campuses on Saturday night at 6 p.m. and Sunday morning at 8.30 and 10.45 a.m. And those in the Sebastian area can join us Sunday mornings at 10.45 a.m. For more information, call us toll-free at 866-779-3441. That's 866-779-3441. Or log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the link to the church website. There is only one way to earn right standing before God, and that is to get out of the way and allow Jesus to take your place. In the next edition of Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will show listeners that righteousness is not earned by earthly accomplishments, but is something that is given once we die to ourselves and allow Christ to be our replacement. This was Jesus' entire purpose and mission for coming to earth. We've run out of time today, but we do encourage you to tune in next time as Pastor Mark will continue teaching through the Gospel of Matthew. That's next time on Lessons for Living. I heard his word made flesh in a hurry.